Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity we have, uh, just that we would be radical givers. Lord, givers of our lives, givers of our time, and givers of our finances as well. Not out of obligation, but Lord, for your kingdom. So Father, I thank you for the opportunity that we get to, to seed into the things that you are doing here in this house, here in this place. It's not for the rock, it's for your kingdom. So Lord, may we be used of you. May we be one that pours out that pours out blessings to other churches, to those around us, that encourages the body of Christ. Father, I thank you for the opportunities that we have. I thank you that you meet every need, and you do more than we would ask or imagine. So, Lord, we just bless you this morning. Lord, I thank you just as we have the opportunity to give. I thank you, Lord. You pour in to us. You bless your church, not so that we can just have it all, but so that we can even be a greater blessing, that we would be that conduit of a blessing to the community around us, to the nations. So, Lord, we love you and we worship you, give you praise and give you glory and give you honor in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Excellent. Thank you, guys. Thank you for your generosity. Uh, thank you for your graciousness. I know at the beginning of the service, it often feels like we have a lot of announcements. And so I appreciate you uh, not totally disengaging from worship, but also engaging enough to, to hear some of those. Sometimes it can feel like a lot uh, of information that we're throwing out there, and, and sometimes it can even feel like it breaks the flow. But uh, I'm so grateful to be a part of a, a church body and a family that is working hard to create opportunities to either equip people to, to advance the kingdom or to go out and, and be the body of Christ. And that's really kind of the filter that we use for all those myriad of announcements that, uh, that we have on, on some weeks. We're either equipping people to become the body or we're deploying them to be the body. And, uh, and so I, I appreciate you guys and your, your graciousness towards that. This morning, uh, I want to take us on just a real quick encouragement before we launch out and we go and pray for some people and see God do some incredible things. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can flip to, I'm going to jump around a lot, so kind of jump to Proverbs and then put a finger in there and then flip over to Matthew, and that's kind of where we'll start. Um, this morning, as much as I want to do some, some teaching, I think primarily I'm going to do some, some unteaching. I'm going to help us unlearn a few things uh, for the sake of, of thinking about it from a kingdom perspective and not just a temporal or an earthly perspective. I think there's a lot of things that in the world's wisdom we would go about and we'd say, okay, well, this is how you do X, or this is the only way to accomplish Y, or, you know, I want to get to Z, and so i got to do it this way. But the kingdom of God is so contrary to what we know. It's so backwards and upside down than what the world does things. Jesus talks about, you know, it's better to, to give than to receive, but I think most of the world would agree that, well, receiving's pretty nice, you know, and... And there's just all these things. To live, you must die, and, you know, just very, like, backwards principles. And this morning, uh, I want to I I look at maturity um, through the lens of how the kingdom would approach it, sort of this backwards mentality. Um, I have two young, young children, two daughters, uh, one and a half, not yet two, and five years old. And for Luna and I, my wife, our goal in parenting them is, is that in each stage of their development, from the time that, that they're born until they're you know, 16, 17, 18, to move them into this spot where they no longer need us. 
Because as soon as they're born, man, they need mom, and sometimes dad, but mostly mom. And, and they are totally dependent on us for their food, uh, to change them, to care for them, to look after them, to love on them, to put clothes on them, totally and absolutely dependent on us. And our goal as parents is to slowly make that not the case. I mean, it would be uh, embarrassing to have an 18-year-old that couldn't feed or clothe or change themselves. That would be quite a mess. And so our goal is like, all right, girls, you're, you're the five-year-old now. It's like, all right, you can help with the dishes. Like, both your arms work. Like, let's do this. And so we're showing her, like, you know, hey, just because you can't reach it doesn't mean we can't get a step stool in here. Like, let's, let's do this. So we're, we're teaching them how to be independent. But Luna and I were talking the other night, and, and she had this beautiful revelation that the way our Father in Heaven parents us is sort of the exact opposite. For uh, some of us, we grew up kind of in the church. Our, our parents loved God and served them, and, and so we were just sort of born into the, the church pews. Uh, but for most of us, there was a, a season where we didn't know God, and we lived our life totally independent of him. And then we came into relationship with God. We gave our life to him to some degree, and, and we became a little bit dependent on him. Maybe it was just our salvation. And then as we move into maturity, the, the heart of the Father is actually that we would become more and more and more dependent on him. So it's very much the opposite of what we're doing with our children in the natural. We're raising them up to be independent. But meanwhile, our Father God is calling us as we mature and as we grow and as we recognize our place in his family to become more and more dependent. It's the exact opposite. Let's look at Matthew 18. Matthew chapter 18, Jesus is addressing a group. And in verse 3, it says, Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You must become like little children, be as humble as this little child, and you'll become the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. It's a beautiful verse. In all the times that I've heard it before, I thought it was just talking about faith. I thought it was just talking about sort of the childlike faith. You know, you, you tell a, a young kid about Easter Bunny, Santa Claus, Tooth Fairy, any of it, and they pretty much believe. Like, they're not asking for empirical evidence or peer-reviewed studies. Like, they don't need any of these sort of hard facts. They're just like, cool, mom said there's this thing. It must be there. And, uh, and that's beautiful. But what I was seeing in this lens of understanding how we move towards dependence instead of away from it is now I was seeing the dependence of a child. That, that with this, it says, be as humble as this little child. A child's humble because they're not independent at all. They are totally dependent on their mom and their dad. And so it's hard to become proudful of like, well, I know how to do all this stuff when you don't know how to do anything. Luna was babysitting uh, for a family um, before we had gotten married, and uh, they had a, uh, a two-year-old that, um, after he would go to the bathroom, he would have a hard time cleaning his, his rear end. And, um, and so there was, Luna would have to help make sure everything was clean. And, uh, and so there was later on in the day, he was trying to, like, sass her. He was trying to, like, you know, oh, I don't have to do that. I don't have to listen to you. And she was like, you can't even wipe your own behind. Like, you, you have no ground to stand on to be proudful about anything. And that's, I think that's where Jesus is calling us to, is this place of dependence. And in that dependence, we find humility. Because we're not saying, well, I know how to do this, and I know how to do that, and I've taken all the classes, and I read the books, and I memorized the scriptures, and, 
And there's a time and a place for many of that, but, but there's also this, as we mature, it might not look like we thought it would look. It might not look like having all the badges and having the perfect attendance. It might look like being super dependent on God. That maybe our spiritual maturity is tied to this childlikeness that is so kingdom that it's hard to comprehend a little bit. Let's look at Luke 18. This captures a similar passage. It says in verse 15, Luke 18, 15, One day some parents brought their little children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But when the disciples saw this, they scolded the parents for bothering them. Then Jesus called for the children and said to the disciples, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Strong words talking about children, both in their, their childlike faith, but I think also in, in the ability for them to live a very dependent life and not feel bad about it. Like my one-year-old never seems... Uh, never seems worried that she's inconveniencing me. <laughs> she never seems bothered that I'm having to kind of like stop what I'm doing and, and help her. She's totally content to be dependent. And I'm the one who's actively working to get her independent. And I think sometimes we, we get it all mixed up that in the kingdom of heaven we somehow think like, oh, like God's inconvenience to help me and I need to become independent and I need to figure out how to do this because he doesn't like being bothered. And I think it's the total opposite. He's calling us to be like children that are constantly pulling on their dad's leg, that are constantly asking for his attention, that constantly want to be held by him or, or, or have him sit with them while they do whatever it is that they're doing. We're being called to this dependence part. In 1 Peter chapter 2, I mentioned I was going to jump around. We're, we're coming back to Proverbs. Don't, you know, keep a finger there if you want. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 2. The apostle's writing to them, and he says, Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you've had a taste of the Lord's kindness. It's interesting that he's connecting these two, what, what otherwise might have seemed like opposite thoughts, like a newborn baby, so that a full expression of salvation, a full experience of salvation, well, normally would have thought, no, that's not right, like, if you're a newborn baby, you're a new Christian. Or if you're a newborn baby, then like you're immature. But he's saying like this, you've got to cry out for those sort of dependence. You've got to cry out and say, God, I need you for everything. And that's when you experience a full experience of salvation. And I thought, wow, that's so beautiful. How did I get it so messed up for so many years where I thought I needed to become independent of God? So in Proverbs 3, and this is where like the crux, I hope, Proverbs 3, verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Two weeks ago, um, we had an incredible service. We had some guests that came in, and, man, they were getting us fired up and stirred up. And our, and our thought was we would go out after we got stirred up. Now, it was a much longer service than we had anticipated. The Lord was moving, and that was great. But many of us got out and was like, wow, there's only a little bit of day left, and we had planned so many other things. Um, my family was one of those families. We had different graduation parties we wanted to be a part of and other activities that we had committed to. And so I was like, okay, like, well, let's do this. And, and so we finally, like, we arrive at a park, and we're like, okay, we're, we're going to this park. We'll let the kids run around, burn off some energy, and then let's do, like, like let's look for some people to pray for. And so we're trying to tie our going out in, even in a, a shorter afternoon. And, uh, and I'm looking around, 
And I'm like, ah, oh, I don't see any casts. I don't see any wheelchairs. I don't see any crutches. Those are sort of like the low-hanging fruit. Um, people joke that it's... And it's not that they don't need, like, I don't know. It's not that other people don't need any less prayer. But the, the joke is, like, they can't run away from you as fast. And so it's easy to, like, to pray for them. But what I, was, what I was finding is in the last season of our going out, that was sort of who God was leading me to. That was who it was really easy to see. And so I'd, I'd see those people, and I'd go over and I'd pray for them. And it was, like, pretty obvious that they needed prayer because, like, sling, crutch, boot, wheelchair, like, it was something. And so I was like, hey, like, can I pray for you? Like, you know, I believe, like, God wants to see you healed. And there was a lot of fruit from that in the last season. And so in this season, I'm at the park, and I'm looking around, and I, I don't see any of it. There's a group that's, like, celebrating the end of season for some sport. Um, there's some families. But everyone looks, like, happy. There's a lot of snacks around. Um, everyone looks like they're doing pretty good. And so I was like, oh, man, like, I don't know who to pray for. And here's where, like, it hit me. And, and I didn't catch this until a little bit after I was processing with the Lord because it sort of felt like, like a swing and a miss. And I was like, man, Lord, like, I, I was hoping to at least get on base. Like, I, I didn't see anyone that needed prayer. And this is what I was telling God. I didn't see anyone that needed prayer. And, and I forget how he, how he like, kind of judo-chopped me with it exactly, what his phrasing was. But it just hit me that I was like, oh, man, I was depending on my own understanding I was leaning on my own understanding of like, okay, if they've got a physical ailment, then I can go up and pray because I'll know how to pray because I took a course that told me like, if they've got this, then I can pray this formula and they'll get healed and like, and I'll know that they were healed and then they'll know and then, you know, I'll have a great testimony. And it was this, I was leaning on what I understood. I understood if they had a crutch or a cane or whatever, I could go and I could pray for healing. And I wasn't at all listening for God to highlight the person that had an unseen need. And, and you guys can, can probably attest that there are so many things that go unseen that need prayer, sometimes even way more than the physical. I mean, thank God for doctors, because if you have a crutch or a cane or a wheelchair or something, uh, you're seeing someone that's helping you. You're, you've put on a boot, you've gotten a surgery, you're recovering, like, that's cool. There's not really a great doctor that can come in and, and, and bring a healing to your heart like Jesus can. There's not really anything that the world can offer that can satisfy a soul like the Holy Spirit can. There is, there is nothing in this world that can, that can restore a relationship like, the, like Jesus can. And so there are so many greater things that need our prayers that you can't see when you just scan the park and you're like, ah, oh, yeah, I don't see anything. I don't understand in the natural, like, who would need prayer for something? And so the Lord was talking to me about this as we were processing. I was like, man, I, you know, I'm bummed. I felt like I struck out, like I went and I wanted to pray, but I didn't really see anything. And the Lord was walking me through this whole thing about I was trying to become independent of God and saying, okay, God, I, I'm mature now. I know how to do this. And he was actually calling me to a dependence on him. I think it was some sort of miracle that there was no one there at the park that, that had a physical observable need. Uh, just so that I could learn a little bit of, of how to walk with the Lord, that, that he doesn't want me to be independent, to just run out there and say, okay, well, I know what to look for, and I know how to pray once I find it. Instead, he wants me to be led to find the person, and then even once I start praying, even to wait to hear how the Lord's directing me to prayer. We had a, a unique situation our staff was sharing 
kind of the testimonies after a Wednesday night. Sometimes we'll talk Thursday and whenever about what the Lord was doing. And so several weeks ago, we had a Wednesday night where we broke up into our small groups and we're praying for each other. And one of our staff went over and, uh, and put a hand on someone to pray. He felt like the Lord had highlighted this person. And so he went over to pray and then didn't hear anything. And so he waited. And now his hand is on this person's chest and he's waiting and he's realizing this is becoming a little uncomfortable. Like, Lord, you need to, you need to say something real quick because I'm just, I'm just standing here. And then while he was still waiting, this person broke and was being like totally touched by the Lord. And there wasn't even a prayer said. But that doesn't, I mean, that's not our formula. That's, that's you know, normally it's like, okay, well, I'm going to go over and I'm going to, you know, thank you, Lord, for my brother, whoever, and we just pray that you'd bless them, Lord, and we see that they've got this. And, and we just launch into it because we have all this knowledge, because we, you know, we've been around, we're mature, and we know how to do these things. And what I feel the Lord calling us to is this childlike dependence where he's saying, actually, I don't want you to do it in the way that you know how to do it. I, I want you to just... Just stand there and be willing to look like a fool. But praise, but praise God that we see it in uh, Isaiah 28. And what was the New Testament one? The, they quoted again in Romans 10. Isaiah 28 and Romans 10, it talks about those who trust in the Lord will not be put to shame. And so it's this willingness to look like a fool. But then praise God that he always comes through and he moves in something even better than we could have done. Because if we had just manufactured our prayer... It would have been nice, but it wouldn't have been what God was, was hoping to do. And so it's beautiful how in our dependence, God can do even more. How in our surrendering of what we know, surrendering our knowledge, surrendering our pride, and instead becoming humble and like a child, we can become the greatest in the kingdom of God because we're so dependent on God. Because we're not doing it in our flesh. We're doing it solely with him. Excellent. Okay, well, I mean, I've got some more, but that's probably it. That's, uh, let, me, let me finish with this encouragement. We're going to go out, and if you're nervous about going out because you don't know what to do, that's perfect. That's exactly where God is calling us to, this place of total dependence on him. And if you're going out and you're thinking, well, I know what to look for and, and how to pray once I find them, I would caution you that God might want to do it a little bit differently. One, one more story for you guys. Last year, we had just started going out, and we were headed out, and, uh, and there was a team headed up to Denver. And on the way, they had to stop and get gas. They're in the gas station, and, and some of the details are hazy because this was last year, and I don't remember all of it. But they start praying for people. Like, the Lord just starts moving in this gas station. But then they remember, oh, man, we're supposed to be meeting this other group up in Denver. We have to go. And they, they hop in the car and they take off. And then, like, either by the time they get to Denver or later on that day, they're processing with the Lord and they're realizing, oh, my gosh, it wasn't the destination. Like, they, they had felt like they were supposed to go to Denver, but it was actually the gas station where God was doing the most ministry. It was on their way. And they had totally missed it because... They were so focused on like, well, this is what I know we need to do, and we got to meet up with this other group, and we're going to go do the ministry up there, and we've got these blessing bags that we got to pass out. But instead, it was actually like this small side note on the way. It was this small stopover in the journey, and it wasn't even the destination at all. But if we're trying to do things logically, if we're trying to do things in a way that makes sense, and we're coordinating and planning and strategizing, and okay, we'll, we'll do this and this and this, we could totally miss it. 
so many of Jesus' miracles as he's, he's living out his lives in the gospel, we see, we see it happen again and again that it wasn't once he arrived and then he had set up his tent and he had kind of put up his sign and attracted people and started his marketing campaign and then said, all right, like now I'm ready to perform miracles. So many of it was just like he was on his way walking and someone ran up and was like, hey, I need help. Or he's on his way walking and someone bumped into him on a crowd and grabbed his robe. There were so many opportunities that were just in the middle of it. And as we were praying this morning in the, in the prayer room, we felt like um, today was going to be marked uh, by the phrase, at the right place at the right time. That each of us, as we go out, we would find ourselves at the right place at the right time. That the Holy Spirit would begin to create these sort of divine connections where you were intending to go to the outlets, but before you got there, you had this divine encounter where you were at the right place at the right time, and you, you were able to minister to a person that, that you didn't even plan to see, that you weren't even expecting. You know, you thought you were going to go to one of, these, one of these signs, and instead, you get detoured because something happens, and now all of a sudden, you're at the right place at the right time for a God moment. And so we are, we are praying that for you all, and, and we, hope that, um, we hope that you're encouraged and stirred. Excellent. Pastor Mike, what else do we need to do before we send these people out? Commission them. Excellent. Okay. All right, come on up. Commission them. <laughs> they're, they're laughing. Okay, everybody stand up. Can you give Pastor Ender a huge hand? Just He's such a... He just brings such wisdom, and he does it quickly. It's good. <laughs> like, Andrew, we need you to preach today. <laughs> he does it so well. Two things. Haha, I've got the mic. <laughs> and I've got you standing up, so I've got your attention. That verse that Andrew said, uh, it says, as the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Right after that, it's actually, I would love for you to go back through this. It starts with, starting in verse 9. So this is Romans 10. Even as you go out, I feel like that some of you will use this scripture, uh, these scriptures here, as you're just sharing the gospel. But this is just about those that confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. They believe in their heart that Christ, that God raised him from the dead. This is, there's salvation in this. And this is the beginning of a walk. Uh, but, uh, but as it goes on right after that, it says, there is one, it says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But this is for us. This is our part right here. It says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? And then it says this, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Let me say this. We are the sent ones. We are the commissioned ones. We're commissioned by Jesus. He's the one that commissions us, and he says, and I give you my Holy Spirit. We're going to be moved by the Holy Spirit. He's the one. We're going to be moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit, not by our own wisdom, just as Andrew said, so important 
that when you go and you pray for someone, don't jump into a prayer and think you know what they need. Even if they have a broken leg. It may not be about the broken leg. It may be about something totally different. No. (laughs) I can't really say no to my wife. She's like, can I share something? No. (laughs) She walks up anyway. Okay. (laughs) We're daughters in the house, you guys. Ah. I just want to, I want to add on, I feel like this is what the Lord has been sharing, and I, I wanted, the, he highlighted something that you said, Andrew, as we're going out, he used the example of that when we're little, our parents te- teach us something like Santa Claus is real, or the Easter Bunny is real, they teach us this, and then they put presents in our stockings, or they hide eggs that we find the next morning, so that we will believe that it's real. What we've been talking about, and what John writes at the end of his book, is that we teach, Jesus taught about that he is the son of God, that he is the son of man come to redeem the world. And then he performed miracles so that we would believe that it's true. The Holy Spirit puts that same power in us. And so as we go, we preach the gospel and then we pray so that they will believe. So let us not miss this opportunity. It's that, it's that childlike faith. Let us bring that truth and then pray and see the Lord move so that they will believe. Does that make sense? Amen. Amen. So Isaiah 61, this is what I felt like in this commissioning. And we had a sweet, sweet time yesterday of just with the food bank of people coming in. And uh, we had people give their lives to the Lord. We had people healed of cancer and healed of, healed of other things that um, one lady had pain in her legs for three years, didn't know what, what it was. The doctors couldn't figure it out. Uh, Jesus figured it out. He took it away instantly. And, um, and th- here's the thing I was seeing. Even yesterday, and I felt like it was just, it's for today. So in Isaiah 61, this is the, what Jesus, when he comes out of the 40 days in the wilderness, he grabs the first thing he does is he grabs this scroll and he declares this. And then, he, and then after this, he says, hey, now follow me. Do what I did. How are we going to follow him? By the same Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus on this earth to move on this earth. We now have. And this is what he says. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. First thing. He didn't say to bind up the brokenhearted. He didn't say to to heal the sick. He's first thing to preach the good news to the poor. And it's not the poor, the people that don't have money. it's that's that in revelation it talks about you know you think you have it all huh you're poor naked and blind because our our riches are in christ it's not in our finances it's not in anything we have it's in him so when we say we preach to the poor we're preaching to anyone that does not have the riches of christ in them that's what we're preaching to. And then he says, he has sent me now out of that. Now it's to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and to release from darkness the prisoners and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. But this is what I believe, jumping down just another verse there. It says, he is there to, to comfort all who mourn and to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. I believe there are people that we're going to go out and see that are in a place of mourning right now. They're in a place of heaviness. They've lost all hope. They have this this crown of ashes 
And what he says is we're going to replace that with a crown of beauty. We're going to give them a crown of beauty. This is where we come in by the power of the Holy Spirit. We move. We get to give them that crown of beauty. It says the oil of gladness instead of mourning. There are many that are mourning right now. They don't have Christ on the inside of them. They don't know who he is. And there's, a, there's, a, there's, a missing, there's something missing on the inside of them. We're going to pour that oil of gladness over them. We're going to bring joy into their life. Don't pour oil over anyone, please. <laughs> Unless the Holy Spirit tells you to, then do it. Just go for it. <laughs> and then maybe run. But, you know, that's... <laughs> and it says, in a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. We are going to release a garment of praise over people instead of a spirit of despair. And then what's the purpose of this? That they may be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor, for his glory. Did you say something? So put your hands out. Here we go. Holy Spirit, we just say come. But you said to wait until the Spirit comes upon us and then go, be my witnesses, be my ambassadors, be those that, that carry out my truth. So what I pray right now that by your Spirit, Lord, you would rest upon every person in this place. Lord, that you would give us your wisdom, your understanding, your leading. I pray that we, as children of God, that we would be led by your spirit. So, Father, I thank you for the empowering. I thank you just as, as the disciples went out, it says you backed up their words with power. Lord, I pray that you will back up every word that you give us with power. Just as we said, that there will be a demonstration of the spirit's power. It isn't with our wise and persuasive words. We do not have to sell Jesus. We just declare who he is. We preach the good news. And you, Father, back it up with power by your spirit. So, Father, I pray for that empowering. I pray for a boldness, Lord, that we would fearlessly proclaim the mysteries of the gospel. Just as Paul asked, he said, pray that I would do this. Lord, I thank you for a boldness to fearlessly proclaim the mysteries of the, of, of the gospel. And I thank you, Lord, that you will back it up with power. So, Lord, I thank you that as we go from here, Lord, you send us. We go by your spirit. We go commissioned by Jesus. And you say you will never, as we go and we do these things, as we go and make disciples, of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach them all of your commands. You say, you will never leave us and you will never forsake us. We will never be shamed as we trust in you. So Father, I thank you for that empowering. I commission in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, every person in this place, everyone who's watching online, that we would go from this place we would declare your goodness, your truth, your gospel, and we would see your kingdom come. We would see your glory in this place. We would see your glory wherever we go. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen.